for Smart Mark Talk, brought to you by Chair Shots and Chop Blocks. It's your host, Mr. HBK of the P.O.D. Val Cisco, a.k.a. Lucha Val. And today, we're going to be bringing you all the nice little hot little tidbits that happened in the week prior of professional wrestling. And a little review and my thoughts on the last Impact Wrestling pay-per-view extravaganza called Bound for Glory. So before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to one of my sponsors, Anchor, and here we go. And we are back. What's going on, guys? Once again, this is Smart Mark Talk, brought to you by Chair Shots and Chop Blocks. On this show, we talk about everything that happened in the world of professional wrestling in the week prior. And today, we're going to be talking about a little pay-per-view that happened yesterday called Bound for Glory. I say little, even though this is Impact Wrestling's extravaganza event, their WrestleMania, if you will. But we're eyes on it. And did people care whatsoever? Well, let's kind of get into it right here. This was the 15th annual Bound for Glory. uh, And it was a sold-out event in the Odium Expo Center in the Chicago area. Now, once again, this has been an event that has been promoted on the Access TV channel and all across social media. And frankly, I think Impact Wrestling has been... Like the sleeping giant, if you will, when it comes to the professional wrestling world. Now, when we have our WWEs doing their reboots or uh, rebrandings of SmackDown and Raw, and then you have AEW's emergence and having bangers for the last three weeks, NXT having bangers, you know, New Japan making announcements. Impact Wrestling has slowly been making some money moves um, with their new um, home and access. Uh, the Access TV channel, Access Television channel, Access Network, um, what have you. Um, now that the new owners being Anthem Entertainment, who is the parent company of Impact Wrestling, you know, Impact really, number one, has a, a final home. You know, their parent company owns this network, so now it's up to them to really step on the pedal and see what happens when it comes to their content. I will say that I've been an Impact Wrestling fan since 2002, back when it was total nonstop action wrestling brought to you by the NWA. And no matter what, I've just been a fan of it. Whether it was just like the little engine that could, whether it was a small promotion that was doing weird stuff with the six side ring, whether it was, you know, bringing different legends back like Sting, you know, bringing his career back to a full motion, Kurt Angle, um, you know, the main event mafia, if you will, you know, Jeff Hardy, uh, AJ Styles, you know, people that they grew, like Monty Brown, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, you know, Frankie Kazarian, people that you see now, um, you know, Abyss, you know, I've been a fan since day one, um, and it's, it's, I don't know, it has its ups and downs, I understand that, you know, we went through different eras, and different times Impact has fallen, and different times Impact has gone right back up, I gotta say, they lasted a long time. Hell, at this point, they're lasting longer than WCW. They lasted longer than ECW. You know, they're, they're, they're survivors, and I got to give them that. 
you know, whether you like the, the, the talent or you like the programming, you have to give Impact Wrestling some kind of credit for being around and alive and relevant in the wrestling world today. Um, so, yeah, I was interested. I'm not too sure if the fan base was interested. I mean, they've been promoting this on Access, um, whether it was the past pay-per-views that have been bangers. Bangers every Tuesday. Tuesday is their, their night now. Tuesday is Impact's night to really capitalize. But they've been promoting their matches, their past pay-per-views, their greatest matches. So I think there was some mild interest going into it. And Bound for Glory has a name still. It's still a big name when it comes to professional wrestling. So I feel like um, this had some kind of buzz. And with the matches that were announced and the talent that was on this card, I feel like it was a pretty satisfying draw for anybody to buy into this. Um, so yeah, let's kind of get started. In a, in a, in a pay-per-view um, setting like this, let's talk about the stage and let's talk about the presence of uh, the, sh- uh, the, the, the center that they were in. Um, first impressions, I will say this. I didn't like the setup. And I'm not trying to be negative right off the bat. I'm not. But I feel like with all the money they they have been saving, you know, they don't do, I don't think, live events. And if they do, it's um, one-offs, like taping events, um, whether it's in Vegas, whether it's in Florida or here in Canada. Um, so I know they're saving money here and there, and especially now with Anthem um, owning their own network. I would have thought they would have, you know, throw some shekels at the stage to make it something big and grand i mean yes the um the center that they were in was a little small and um aesthetically wasn't the most pleasing to the eyes but you could have dressed it up there's plenty of times that i've seen a class of champions or in your house event that maybe hasn't been the biggest when it comes to venues but at the same time they dressed it up to a point where it looked unique and this right here it just didn't feel unique. It just felt like there was a big, you know, there was a main Titantron, um, a ramp, and your your ring. And that was really about it. So um, if you were looking for some kind of grand WrestleMania stage, sadly enough, you were missing it in this match right here or this, this, um, this setting right here for Bound for Glory. But that being said, we'll go for the first match of the night, which was their version Impact Wrestling's version of the Royal Rumble, which was um, a match, (laughs) Uh, and I didn't know how I felt about it as well, too, but it was a match that was fun to see. It was a Collier Shot Gauntlet match. Um, It starts off with two people, starting off number one, number two, for two minutes, and then after that, I believe 20 men do come out, Uh, 20 men and women, we'll get to that in a second, will go out and... They'll come out each minute until the last person, last two people are in the ring. And then I believe it turns into a a singles match. Interesting concept. And I will say in execution, it was way better than what AEW has done with the um, um, the Casino Battle Royal. I just think that both times they did it, while the second time with the females was okay, it's been messy, a little confusing, and it doesn't give enough shine to the people that are coming out, especially with surprise entrance. This right here, it felt well. And you know what? If you're going to imitate something, might as well imitate something that people like, like the Royal Rumble. And yes, you're not going to totally copy it. And I like the the fact that you do the pinfall at the end, so it raises the stakes. That's pretty dope. Could they have explained the rules a little bit better? Maybe. But in execution, I think it was fun. Um, in this match, there was a whole bunch of people in this. Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> like a whole bunch of people. When it comes down to it, there is, um, let's see here. Um, start off with Eddie Edwards in this match right here. You had, um, uh, let's see here. You had um, Joey Ryan make his debut back to Impact Wrestling, who got a, a mildly decent reaction. Um, um, so many other people that, that came on to this right here. Swoggle made a return, which was pretty funny. You know, um, Johnny Swinger, Kara Hogan came out, Havoc came out, which I was kind of like, wow, all right, well, you know, you have Havoc, you have, you know, um, Kira Hogan coming out and whatnot. Uh, Kylie Ray, who, um, who left in, um, uh, AEW uh, was a free agent signed to Impact Wrestling. She made her debut. to a nice little reaction as well, too. And honestly, like, if you were coming in and you saw women come in this match, you probably thought, okay, they're going to be cute and they're going to have a couple of good moments. Not so much. Like, these women really came in 
trading shots and forearms, and it really was like an equal opportunity match. Let me just rephrase this again, too, about this uh, Collier shot. It's called the Collier shot gauntlet because whoever wins gets a shot at any title that they want at the end of the night. Uh, well, not at the end of the night, but when they win the match, um, which I find a little odd. You would think, all right, a whole bunch of people are in this. You want to go for that World Heavyweight Championship, right? Um I don't know, if I was, let's say, uh, Tommy Dreamer, or, or if I was a uh, um, uh, Madman Sawyer, I would just automatically want to bypass the X Division title or tag team titles and just go to the heavyweight title. But, hey, you made it open. So it was interesting to see what you can do in this match. You had people like Jordan Grace that came out to a huge reaction, and she was a monster in this match. Um um, Sabu made, made an appearance. Madman Sawyer made an appearance. Uh, Falabao, who, who, oddly enough, you know, is a fan favorite as well, too. Um, this match was all types of crazy. Different little high spots were happening in this, especially when Sabu came out. It was pretty fun. It kind of ended off with, um, which I found very interesting. It showed, like, who impacted believes is the future of this brand so you had madman sawyer um who uh, was you know back in wwe or nxt part of the group called sanity with eric young killian dane um so it's interesting to see that he got some shine here and definitely you know he made his presence known in this match so he was part of the last four yet eddie edwards who's still you know rocking it right now not not i don't like the crazy angle too much I think it's going a little too much these days, but I do appreciate the fact that his character change has met him, has you know morphed into something ten times crazier than what it started as. Like this guy is so believable as the underdog champion or the underdog challenger that you want to root for him. Um, Mahabali Shira was one of the last entrants as well too. Um, this guy, you know, who started Impact, um, then went to NXT's Performance Center. Um, then came back to Impact. Really, number one, he has body presence. Number two, his wrestling has gotten a little bit solid. Number three, he looks like a million bucks. He looks like somebody that can actually challenge um, a Brian Cage or a Sammy Callahan, and it looks realistic. Like, this guy looks like a monster. So it was, it was awesome to see him in, in that Final Four as well, too. Um, and it kind of ended off... With um, Sawyer getting eliminated, um, you got to see Eddie Edwards take on Shira, and he given giving basically Shira the Boston knee party the Shining Wizard Day does for the pin. So Eddie Edwards calls a shot, gets a little bootleg trophy. I, well, I wish the trophy would have been a little bit more prominent, but it was fun regardless. Um, and he gets to choose a title um, that he wants to go for. So they didn't announce it, but it was interesting. Um, next match of the night was t- uh, Tyra Valkyrie taking on um, Tanel Dashwood for the Impact Knockouts title. Valkyrie um, boasting that she's the longest reigning women's knockout champion in Impact history, uh, which is awesome. You know, that right there is pretty dope to see that, you know, Impact trusts um, this competitor to be the face of the women's division. And... She's grown from, you know, the chick that comes out with the robe and the crown to now just like the Hollywood slime that she is. It's awesome to see her her dive into her character. Kind of sucks that, um, you know, we don't see her with her husband, you know, the, the great Johnny Mundo, John Hennigan, you know, Johnny Impact, um, former heavyweight champion of Impact Wrestling, now going back to the WWE. Um, and Impact let them have it as well, too. You know, you see uh, the announcers, Don Callis and Josh Matthews, make fun of it. Like, oh, she's bringing a dog down to the ring. I heard his name is Hennigan. The other guy's like, I heard his name was Mundo. So poking fun at the character right there. Um, a little cheeky, but what can you do right there? Impact will be Impact. Um, Danelle Dashwood, always great to see as well, too. You know, the great Emma from WWE making a name for herself, whether it's ROH, and different organizations as well too. Now, over here, signing of Impact Wrestling, it's interesting to see what they're gonna do with her. And they had a banger of a match. It wasn't the best match, but it was a banger. Um, you had um, Johnny Bravo in the background as well too, doing some backhanded things like putting her hands on the ropes and trying to distract. Tanel ultimately came down to 
um, um, a distraction finish, which Valkyrie gets um, her finisher. I believe it's like a it's like a double hook into like a face plan, kind of like what a Beth Phoenix used to use, the Glamazon Slam, in a way. But she gets the win, increasing her title streak, um, her winning streak for her title. And um, it was great. It was great to see. Um, I don't think it was her time, um, Dashwood's time, to win that title. I think you need a red-hot baby face to really take it away from Valkyrie. Not to say that Dashwood's not, but we all know her as a girl that's all about me, all about Tanel and whatnot. So, um, good match. And Valkyrie retains her championship. Um, we got to see. This is where it picked up to me. I thought the first two matches were about a good, maybe I want to say two turnbuckles. That's about it. This is where it turns into a like a three turnbuckle tap for me, which was um, a match for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Toward the end, though, it kind of got a little goofy, but I will say this was a great match. It was the North um, taking on a Defender titles against the team of ECW Originals, Rob Van Dam and Rhino. And, of course, the tag team... Um, of Willie Mack and Rich Swan, and this match was a banger. These guys went to town, and you can see great promos before the match as well too, um, to really bring you up to see the speed on on the storyline that was happening. Whether it was um, how it started, whether it was the win loss records, it was very impressive to see Impact really tell some of a story right here, so you get invested in the match. I did feel that there was great spots here. There was a great spot with Ethan Page. Um, power pressing uh, Swan from the top rope and just doing like a gorilla press slam. That was pretty cool. Um, there was um, a couple of great spots from Rob Van Dam where he was about to actually pull the five star frog splash, but got interrupted by Willie Mack, who did his own six star frog splash. It was pretty cool. Josh Alexander is just fantastic. You know, this guy and Ethan Page are great as a tag team, whether it was Alexander's. And uh, Paige's tag team moves, whether it was um, that shoulder breaker, back breaker that um, Alexander does is pretty dope. Um, just all over the place action um, on all counts. I think everybody just really looked great coming out this match. Of course, the match did end in a f- uh, kind of fagazi kind of way, in my opinion, man. I just feel like it, it could have been better. It was a sudden heel turn by Rob Van Dan, who super kicks Rhino. And then super kicks Rick Schwann and leaves. And, of course, the North hit their tag team maneuver, get the pin, still are the champions. And great for them. It's great to see that the North really um, is getting put over to the best of their ability. Like, they're they're, they're fantastic. Whether it was even the pre-show showing their uh, them sending LAX out of Impact Wrestling and that passing of the torch almost right there to um, them getting incredible wins over these guys, all these guys in the ring uh, makes them one of the premier premier competitors or stars to see in Impact Wrestling. The turn itself, I don't know, it felt lazy. I felt like maybe like Rhino could have costed RVD the match by accident and then you got the heel turn, which would have been a bigger pop. It would have made the crowd say the holy shit moment or the oh my god moment a little bit more... I don't know, it would have felt a little bit better rather than just in the match out of nowhere. And then Rich Gate hit as well, too. It just felt weird and odd. So, yeah, RVD uh, makes a heel turn in Impact Wrestling. I uh, don't know how I feel about RVD right now. I mean, he still can go, but I don't know. Maybe um, a heel RVD can um, give me something to work with right there. The next match was, to me, the match of the night right here. Um, Michael Elgin taking on Mara Fuji. Mara Fuji coming out of Pro Wrestling Noah. And this match basically was Elgin calling him out, saying that, you know, he's went through multiple people in Japan, but he never got a chance to take on Mara Fuji. And that he was been using the Emerald Fusion, which is Mara Fuji's move, um, over and over again, trying to disrespect him and call him out. And yeah, so we got an epic match right here. And this was a stiff Match. It definitely reminded me of like an ROH New Japan style type match. It did not disappoint. Mara Fuji, fantastic with his kicks, his knee strikes. You know, very much Japanese, Japanese strong style type of match. Elgin with his roaring elbows, his clotheslines. So many near uh, falls in this match. It really, it really made me feel like this is what 
if if Impact really wanted to focus on having Premier Wrestling, this is what it should focus on. The last match and this right here, if you want to really brand your 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 federation, your company, you know, do it with these guys right here because these will turn heads. This match will turn heads right here. Um, it ended off where Elgin was hitting everything in the books when it comes to his finishers, Sumara Fuji, and could not get the pin whatsoever, whether it was the Elgin bomb, whether it was a Liger bomb, whether it was the Emerald Fusion, whether it was the um, the clothesline. Um, nothing could keep him down to finally hit a um, the Terminator spike or the reverse Death Valley driver. Um, that dropping Marafuji on his head gets the pinfall and a very intense match by Malcolm Elgin, making him a monster in Impact Wrestling. And this is how he should have gotten booked in the first place as the monster, not as he came in. I definitely feel like there's um, there's something him being from Canada and the North as well as two Canadians can really run roughshod on Impact Wrestling. Um, they could be the new Team Canada, if, if you will, because I think they can. That stable would be fantastic if that were to happen. Not saying it, it it will, but that would be a great stable. Next match after that, the hits keep on coming where it was for the X Division Championship, a five-way match that, um, to some people, it did steal the show. To some people, this was on Twitter right now that this was their main event. This was their show right here. This was their epic awesomeness of a match right here. It was a match of Ace Austin taking on AC Romero, taking on Daga, taking on Tessa, uh, Tessa Blanchard, and, of course, the Impact X Division champion, Jake Chris. Um, this match was all types of crazies, whether it was Tessa Blanchard and her her ongoing feud with um, uh, OVE, uh, whether it was uh, interference with Mad Men and uh, Dave Chris coming out to defend Jake um, and Tessa just going to town on them. Uh, whether it was um, AC Romero trying to get up the ladder and do an unholy, ungodly moves. Daga was okay in this match. I wish he would got a little bit more shine. Um, Chris was fantastic as always. Like this guy is, it's always fascinating to see. You would think this guy is just gonna be like a brawler type wrestler. This guy's throwing fucking ninja kicks out of nowhere. You know, cr- crane kicks. You know, um, roundhouse kicks. It's just amazing to see what he can do. Cutters galore in this match. Ace Austin, fantastic as well, too, being the uh, the cuckold heel, as he calls himself as well, too. There was a train wreck spot, and probably was the biggest spot of the match, where um, we got to see um, AC Romero climb up the ladder, almost trying to get to the top of uh, the ladder. Tessa Blanchard, she goes ahead and pushes the fucking ladder. This guy is huge, AC Romero. If you don't know him, look him up. He is fucking huge. This guy crashing and burning. I don't know how he could have landed better, but there's a part where he goes down. I guess he's supposed to either try to catch the rope or bounce off the rope, but he gets tripped up on the top rope while falling down onto a table. It looks brutal. It looks fantastic, but it looked brutal. Was the moment of the night when it comes to crazy angles right there. Tessa tries to climb up, and Tessa, man, Tessa is great in this match. She is thriving when it comes to a mixture of um, man and woman kind of matches right there, you know, intergender matches. You know, Impact has done a great job finding its identity, whether it's like the hardcore show or the show that can um, promote equal opportunity between men and women fighting for any title whatsoever. So I find that pretty interesting right there. And Tessa, she does look like she belonged. She was fantastic in this match and, you know, added a bit of drama. She's climbed up the ladder looking to get the title. The fans are behind her. Out of nowhere, um, Ace Lawson comes, gets his little pimp cane, smacks the shit out of Tessa in the face and gets the X Division champion was the championship change of the night and Ace Austin is your new X Division champion um fantastic match I I enjoyed it I did like the Marafuji match a little bit more um but this was a beautiful train wreck (laughs) um it was fantastic what wasn't fantastic but a match that I felt I don't know could have been better but for the most part, I enjoyed, but it was all right. It was just, there was a lot of holes in this match. And I felt like with this match, someone needed to carry somebody. 
and I think both of these competitors just couldn't lead the match by themselves. But great fucking preview to this match. It was a match between Moose and Ken Shamrock. Moose has been calling um, Ken Shamrock out uh, as of late, and Shamrock trying to get back into the wrestling world, making his emergence back into Impact Wrestling as their first champion for Impact as well, too. He wanted to come full circle. Uh, he's been training. He's been wanting to come back, and Moose has been antagonizing him, whether it's him going to his um, gym, um, attacking his students, attacking Stefan Bonner, having a bloody match with Stefan Bonner to uh, Shamrock coming to his rescue. Great fucking build. And if you take the fact that Shamrock's a 55-year-old man, you know, decent feud. So the match comes in, and these guys automatically lock horns. Let me just tell you one thing beforehand. Shamrock looked in great shape. Moose looked in phenomenal shape. Came to a fantastic entrance with his new robe and his new tights. I, I love how Moose's attire gets better and better. And his wrestling style gets a little better as well, too. But not in this match that much, you know. These guys, Shamrock with uh, his original trunks that he used in um, in um, the WWE. Um, interesting match. Like These guys started going for shots started going for you know just like kicks and punches and ground and pound um and then out of nowhere like we saw some fun stuff happening like um we saw frank trey come out with moose as well too he's been training moose which i found hilarious frank trey was hilarious in this match uh frank trig should be a, a, a manager no matter what if you don't know who frank trig is go into your mma um wikipedia and you can find out this guy he's fantastic he's hilarious um, so his involvement in this match was very noticeable, whether it was trying to take out Ken Shamrock, whether it was trying to like hold him down, whether it was trying to take the turnbuckles off so Moose could use that to his advantage. You know, it was a very sloppy match. I will say that. But there was fantastic moments. I will say seeing Ken Shamrock hit the belly-to-belly -belly suplex, great. See him hit a German suplex, fantastic. See him hit like an exploder suplex, to the turnbuckle even better like moose made him look phenomenal there's parts where shamrock <laughs> in the most laziest fashion but the most impressive fashion you know he sends moose outside with a clothesline lazy ass clothesline then he doesn't even do the full run and he's like halfway in the ring and just decides to do a no touch tope con hero right on fucking moose he almost died. Like, I just saw him, like, it looked like he planked in midair going down. I thought this guy was going to break his neck, but Moose caught him, and it just looked great. It was a very, very big holy shit moment for the crowd. Uh, once again, he gave one for another um, press outside as well, too. This one, not as impressive. Uh, Moose tried to do uh, moonsaults as well, too, missing an ankle. Ankle, look at me. Um, Shamrock gained the ankle lock multiple times this match, trying to sell that he's going to tap out Moose. Um, different moments happening. There was even a hurricane spot that looked fantastic for Shamrock. But both of these guys noticeably were tired. Both of these guys really couldn't carry each other or convey emotion that much in this match. But for what it's worth, this match got about a good like uh, i want to say 10 15 minutes okay moose breaks out of the ankle lock he throws um shamrock into the corner into the exposed turnbuckle hits a spear which i thought he killed himself doing and gets the pin interesting match could have been better but for the most part they got through it moose looked good killing a legend and Shamrock looked good as well too, although I think he with better hands or someone who could really carry him, um, this would have been ten times better. Give him one of the guys from Exhibition, give him like a Willie Mack, give him like a Rich Swan, give him, you know, one of the Chris's or Daga, and this match would have been fantastic. Um Moose, you know, still needs someone to carry him half the time, but still. Great match. Um, leading to our main event, which was Sammy Callahan taking on the champion Brian Cage for the Impact Heavyweight Championship. Um, a match that has been built so well, whether it's a return from Cage being injured to um, um, to seeing Cal Sammy Callahan, you know, do his, the, the, um, perform attacks on Brian Cage. 
uh, all the crazy stuff that he's been doing with OVE attacking Brian Cage. There's a point where he actually br- almost breaks uh, Melissa Santos's neck um, at a, a wedding that Brian Cage and her were having as well too. So so many crazy moments. We get a great awesome interview not an interview, a promo by sammy callahan before the saying that this is his moment right now that people said that he could have made event any kind of wrestling organization they got kicked out by the premier organization talking about wwe that he left on his own accord but they were basically ruining his character telling him to be a person that he's not which i remember that when he came to uh, nxt he was solomon crow the internet hacker that was hacking nxt which was kind of stupid but really didn't can't get a chance to do anything and since then he's been running rough shot in all federations whether it's mlw whether it's roh whether it's um um lucha underground and now impact wrestling and he went down to all the storylines that took him to this moment for the past two years after debuting whether it's the um the um, feud with Eddie Edwards, Tessa Blanchard, and now Brian Cage. It all led to this and all the craziness that he did that everybody else out here, we're the ones that that caused this. So fuck us, and it's time for him to win that championship. This event had a lot of cursing in it, man. It was like Tessa Blanchard saying, get up, you motherfucker, or, or the shits and the curses. It just... This was a crazy main event, um, crazy event in general when it came to language. But yeah, I was sold on this. This really got me hyped for Sammy Callahan, whether you liked him or not, whether he was getting cheered in Chicago or not. You made him, it made him kind of a soft baby face in a way, like a rebel without a cause. Um, Brian Cage coming out to an epic outfit with, um, he calls himself the Swolverine. Let me take a little sip of this. A little sip of the bubbly. He comes out to a Weapon X outfit, fully with claws, um, eyepiece, and just a crazy-ass LED uniform, which was great to see. I felt like the presentation could have been a little bit bigger, but for what they did and what they had, they went all out there, in my opinion. Um, Before we get into the main event, I gotta say that the announcing was the part that I hated the most throughout this whole night. Not from Don Callis. I think Don Callis does something he gives something you know he gives some kind of prestige when it comes to the the announced team whether it's talking about old ecw matches like guilty as charged and things like that his history in chicago and wrestling as cyrus the virus you know he brings a wealth of information uh whether it's japanese wrestling mexican wrestling you name it he actually is that historian josh matthews in the other in the other on in another way or on the other hand I feel like he gave nothing to the announced team whatsoever. He was emotionless. He did not convey any kind of emotion whatsoever. This dude, he was he just felt like he was just so anticlimactic throughout every match. Like he was going through the changes. There was even a part where he was like, this is the anthem um, era of Impact Wrestling. And he kind of rolled his eyes in a way. So I'm not even sure if that was like character. But it just felt like Josh Matthews gives nothing to Impact Wrestling. And I think if you were to give somebody else, like a Mike Tanay or fucking, I miss Mike Tanay so much. But Mike Tanay, hell, um, what's my man's name? Um, the Pope. The Pope. Um, bring him back. Hell, bring MVP back for commentating. Anybody's better than Josh Matthews at this moment in time. Stay with Don Callis. I like Don Callis. But change Josh Matthews up, man. I'm just tired of him. Matt Stryker. Bring Matt Stryker. Fantastic. Anyway, main event. Crazy ass main event, man. These guys just went at it, beat the shit out of each other so much in this match. Uh, whether it was, you know, Callahan doing like a nut grab, um, Cage biting the forehead, then taking the, this is Noah's qualifications match as well too, Cage taking the uh, Wolverine claws and just slicing literally Callahan's head, which was an awesome visual. Um, suicide dives, top rope, Tom Hero dives. Uh, pile drivers on gate rails, pile drivers on the ring apron, you know, back body drops on the floor, suplexes on the floor. So many things were happening on this to the point where F5s were given, Texas pile drivers were given, and out of nowhere, um, we get to see Brian Cage going crazy and getting that final win to defeat Sammy Callahan in what I thought was a great match. It could have been a little bit crazier. 
it could have been a little bit more, but you know, we get the the bag of thump attacks. Um and you can see um Callahan go into the thumbtacks. It was a great visual. This was a pretty great match. The power bombs, the drill claws, everything in this match was main event worthy, in my opinion. I just think that we could have had something a little bit more as far as drama goes. But um definitely a great match. Title still stays on Brian Cage, who I think yeah. He is um, someone that you want to have your company being built upon, but I think Sammy Callahan would have been great if he would have won the match. I think it would have been the better idea if Callahan won the match. So, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty okay event. It wasn't one of the best Bound for Glories. It was one of the better ones out of the last four years, I will say that. So, that's saying something right there. It was the best Bound for Glory in the last four years. Uh, with that being said... Production value was still a little low. The commentary did suck. Um, some of the rules could ex- could have been explained a little bit better. Um, other than that, match was great. Matches were great. Um, go out of your way to watch it if you can. I think it was a pretty damn cool show. With that being said now, we can start getting into our uh, next segment, which was the week of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Into the fire! Yes. So when it comes to professional wrestling of last week, I gotta say one of my favorite things to watch besides AEW was <clears throat> NWA Power. So many R's. And once again, I feel like the Power Hour really knocked it out the park again. Um, whether it's his commercials, whether it was just the um, the aspect of of building up to a main event of an interview with Nick Aldis, whether it's the stars that came out for this, even though people who've been watching the NWA know that these people are involved, it was good to see for the YouTube audience or people who are not familiar with the NWA um, to see who came on this show. So it was pretty interesting. Um, like I said, um, this event, this show, um, led to an interview with Nick Aldis and Camille and basically his thoughts on the Tim Storm match while Camille has been so silent of late. So we have to see that happen building up. Um, we get to see Ricky Starks take on Trevor Murdoch and you would have thought, hey, this day and age, 2019, do we need to see Trevor Murdoch? Um, last time we saw Murdoch was, what, 2004 with the, the late Lance Cade, uh, former WWE Raw champions as well, too. Um, Murdoch coming out of retirement, and you would have thought, do I really need to see this guy again? Um, wasn't impressive when we first saw him, and maybe it's because the wrestling landscape was so different back then, and this kind of wrestler, this rugged, beer-drinking, ass-kicking kind of guy, redneck kind of guy, just didn't fit in the WWE, and there weren't really a lot of places you can go to. Well, Go to 2019, we're looking at NWA power and the 80s aesthetic or, you know, just the vibe you're getting fits Trevor Murdoch. Like, it it works. Like, his build, his size, you know, he reminds me of, like, a Harley Race, Dusty Rose kind of character. Um, He could talk. He could fight, you know, and this guy really just brought in. I could see this guy being a big thing when it comes to NWA power. So, hopefully, we still see more Trevor Murdoch. I do like that rugged beer drinking kind of guy um he lost the match and put over ricky um starks as well too which was pretty cool to see but um i want to see that story unfold a little bit more as the rugged veteran has um has it out for the newcomer so um we got to see other things as well too we got to see um um colt cabana mr anderson uh taking on um a jobber team, Jordan Kingsley and uh, Sal Renuro. I probably botched that name right there. It was good to see Cole Cabana uh, doing his best Ric Flair impersonation, if you will. Um, bring Ken Anderson out. And Ken Anderson, you know, what can I say? Both these guys were fantastic as a tag team. Anderson does look a little aged, but you know what? I think he's fantastic for a show that's all about talkers. Anderson can talk. Cabana can talk. And both of these put on... A hell of a match right there. So I thought that was fun to see. We had to see the NWA Women's 
a championship be defended with Allison K defeating Ashley Vox in a non-title match. These girls were going to town bell to bell. This probably was the best match of the night. Allison K, fantastic, you know, just seeing her, you know, the, the former, the former, um, I believe she was Serena. I want to say that's what it was right there. Uh, from Impact Wrestling, you know, Allison K was just fantastic in this match, and she really looks like that 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 woman of the locker room, that locker room leader for the women out there. And I can definitely, you know, what I was worried about with NWA Power was that all the promos were, this is where real men work. This is where men come to talk and men come to fight. And even with the um, um, Dave Lagana interview, it was like, real men come here to fight, yada, yada, yada. Men, 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 men. But I knew there was a women's champion there, and I knew there's women that were signed to this um, to the show as well, too. So it was interesting to see how that got switched a little bit. This is where real people come to wrestle and real people come to, you know, lick their chops and, you know, hit them chop blocks. So um, it was nice to see that. Um, we had to see James Storm cut a promo as well, too, um, saying that he's a national championship, but he only looks at as the belt as a launching point. He doesn't really care about the belt whatsoever. Um so I found that pretty fun to see as well, too, that he doesn't really care about that title. He just wants to take on Nick Aldis, and that's really about it. He'd give a damn about this this title. And then that prompts Eli Drake to come out to kind of give, like, a motivational speech, honestly, about the national championship, that that's a legacy title. Men have held this title with great honor and that he should be honored to be that champion. That means he's next in line. And that he's been traveling the world with James Storm in the past as well, too. So just remember, I'm rooting for you to take the title from Nick Valdez. But remember your boy when you win that title. So that was pretty awesome to see those two kind of kind of clash in a way as well, too. Um, we got to see Aaron Stevens, you know, the former Damian Sandow, come out and cut a promo as well, too. And I don't know how I felt about this. Let me take a little swig of the bubbly. Didn't really care about it whatsoever. Um, he comes out, he talks about that he's been in Hollywood and he's been an acting coach and he kind of brings that, that, that Sandow flavor back into the whole you're welcome kind of, um, spiel again. And it was nice to see, it was cool to, okay, you know, I don't know, see him talking. I think he'll excel here. I just think that people don't care about that character whatsoever. It's better than what he was doing at Impact as like that, that, Idol kind of Idol Stevens kind of character that he was doing over there, that gorgeous George character. This seems a little bit better. Uh, it just seems like it's reverting back to something that people are familiar with, but are kind of done with. I believe the last match of the night was um, a match for the NWA Tag Team Championships. Uh, it was the Wild Cards. Uh, Thomas Latmere and Royce Isaacs taking on Outlaw Inc. The match of Eddie Kingston, Homicide. A um, little shady from Jim Cornette saying that, you know, Homicide was part of the original LAX, and now we have the better part of LAX over here in the NWA. So a little shade right there. Homicide at Eddie Kingston. Great to see, and I love to see Eddie Kingston cut his promos, and I think this is great for him and Homicide to really cut their teeth. Wild cards, really don't care about them that much. I know they're representing the NWA as their tag team champions, but... We're just waiting to see when that actually kind of comes to an end and maybe someone who has a little bit more voice chops can take those titles and be, be um, elevate those titles so um, they can be seen on a national level. Um, we got to see the interview finally happening right here with Nick Aldis and um, uh, Camille as well too. Uh, I found this pretty interesting as well because this was an interview where um, Joe Galley was the interviewer last week saying, hey, Camille, you try to interfere, you know, what are your thoughts? And she kind of was shrugged away by all this. So at this point, he was asking her hard questions and Camille wasn't answering whatsoever. Um, and Aldis basically said that, you know, she's been my insurance policy. She's been my ticket. You know, when people like, um, Cody Rose brought Brandy into the ring, I lost my title because I didn't have insurance. You know, when I fought Tim Storm for the first time, I didn't have insurance. Now I have insurance and whether she does the hitting or she gets hit by the guys as well too, she's here to mix it up. And that's all we got to say about that. And they walk away a little lackluster. I wanted something a little bit more prominent, but Hey, rock and roll, like. It was something they built up to, and 
they sold the champion without the champion even having to wrestle or be there. So, rock and roll, NW Power. You're doing your thing right there. As far as the rest of the world of wrestling, AEW and NXT still were the premier shows of last week when it came to wrestling. And uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can definitely listen to the Wednesday night wrap-up about the Wednesday night wars. Um, available now on all podcast stations from Chair Shots and Chop Locks. So go back to that, but I will say this, that AEW still was a better show, even though I could see um, NXT really um, planting the seeds to something great when it comes to storytelling. Bringing back Regal as an on-air commissioner um, really throws something a little bit more in that show. I feel like they needed an authority figure, and this kind of really helped them. It kind of drives the stories a little bit more. The wrestling was good. The angles were fun. Um... Damian Priest was fantastic. And like I said, to see a, a Puerto Rican um, wrestler out of New York represent right there and do his thing as the main event of NXT, that was awesome to see. And of course, AEW, you know, Dynamite was fantastic all around as well. Too. I think it was a better show once again. Uh, whether it was Jericho cutting his promos with uh, the Inner Circle, whether it was um, seeing... Other Puerto Ricans, Santana and Ortiz, making their debuts as well, too. Um, in a squash match, but still a fun match. It was great to see these guys, you know, Puerto Ricans on both ends, you know, being parts of the main events of uh, both shows was very touching to see as a Puerto Rican man myself from New York City. Um, but yeah, AEW, I think it had the better angles, better wrestling, and just a better storytelling altogether. Um... And that's really about it. I know you guys want to talk about Raw and SmackDown, but I'm not really going to talk about that because I don't really care about it that much. Uh, they have done, they've done shit in the last two weeks when it comes to any kind of build or any kind of progress for their shows. Raw still, with that last draft that happened, did absolutely nothing whatsoever. In fact, I felt like the draft kind of hurt Raw more. Um, their little WWE backstage that they have on Tuesdays as well, too, um, promoting a giant trade that was going to happen was a red herring just to see um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross get traded back to SmackDown for future opportunity for someone to get drafted to Raw. So, fuck that. Um, SmackDown itself really wasn't anything special as well, too. Like, I felt like the matches with uh, Roman Reigns and Shinsuke Nakamura really didn't do anything whatsoever. Um, seeing Roman Reigns as a new captain for... Team Hogan, whatever, because, you know, Seth can't do both matches at once. Fine, I guess. So, I mean, like, there really wasn't anything to sink your teeth into when it came to Raw or SmackDown. Especially after the draft has happened, you would expect it, I don't know, maybe some some juicy stories to start happening. Um, and the only juicy fucking story they have that kind of sucks, in my opinion, is the whole cuckold angle with Lana and fucking Bobby Lashley, which I don't care whatsoever. Maybe after Crown Jewel happens, which is um, going to happen next Sunday. Well, no, sorry. Next, uh, well, this week coming up right now. Um, actually, next week, excuse me. Next week, the 31st. Um, Halloween. Maybe after that happens, we'll get some stability when it comes to the main rosters. Uh, until then, I see no progress on both of these shows. Like, now nah, I'm not trying to be a hater whatsoever. I just... Yeah, Alistair Black made his appearance on Raw. Cool. Very nice. Um, yes, Undertaker came out and has a brand new title. Okay, not bad, you know. Um, how do I feel about that title? I don't know. It looks kind of goofy, and it's part of like the WWE signature title series, so I kind of feel like all these legends are going to get their own version of their own titles. Like, we're going to get their Goldberg next title, or the Hogan Knows Best title, or the Sting Crow title. We're going to get a whole bunch of these shits, so, you know, just to see that that was there. Uh, meh, didn't care about it whatsoever. I did like the, the build-up for it, though. It was like Undertaker has like a little casket, a miniature casket, and everybody's like, what's going to be inside of it? I'm like, it's going to be a baby. He killed a baby. But no, WWE's not going to do that whatsoever. Um, yeah, that's really about it when it came to wrestling inside the rings i know outside was the, the biggest news out there whether it was um eric bischoff um uh, being excommunicated from wwe apparently um no longer the um, director for smackdown that falls now on bruce pritchard which i found pretty interesting as well too seeing as Br bruce has been doing a lot of the legwork for smackdown 
whether that's good or bad, he now is in charge with more of a microscope on him with the Fox and WWE execs looking at him now. Um, Bischoff, you know, just... You know, shedding some light on the situation as well, too. There was a lot of rumors happening. Maybe he wasn't the Bischoff that he was before. Maybe he didn't have that killer instinct. And maybe that's why Vince hired him in the first place, to have that killer instinct. Or maybe he just wasn't motivated whatsoever. Whatever it is right there, um, at the end of the day, Bischoff did seem happy happier to leave and happier to take like a uh, severance pay and say all right i'm gonna go back to my to my ranch and just drink beer and call the day i mean um you know he he did come on his podcast and he he tried to clear up a little bit of the rumors and duendo that happened and whatnot um but he didn't want to get anything negative he didn't want to disparage the wwe whatsoever he was very grateful of the opportunity he just said this didn't work and his vision wasn't there and Vince's vision wasn't there as well too um he didn't take anything personally and that really was about it whether you believe that or not whether you believe that there was some there was some backstage politics happening there um it all depends but at the end of the day bischoff is out and quite frankly i didn't care for that whatsoever i didn't see bischoff really invested in professional wrestling i think he likes talking about the past on his podcast but as someone that wants to be fully in the wrestling world i think he's past that already and rightfully so we don't need bischoff back in back in the world wrestling when he's unmotivated we need that killer mindset and we got that with paul with paul Heyman and bruce pritchard so interesting to see um other than that not really that much news that came out in the wrestling world besides that big bombshell right there um other than that guys that really is about it for smart mark talk if you guys want to uh reach out to me you can always reach out to me at uncanny underscore v on the twitter you can reach out to me also on the facebook at chop chair shots and chop blocks also on Instagram at Chair Shots and Chop Locks as well, too. The podcast itself is on all podcast networks, whether it is uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Radio FM, you name it, we're there. So please rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment, leave some kind of interaction. Let me know so that way we can talk about our own um, conversations when it comes to the squared circle. Anyway, guys, I am out of here. I am one turnbuckle away from jumping off the top rope and heading into bed. So, guys, take care. Be square. We'll keep it in the circle.